Amen. So let me do a little recapitulation because I was out last Sunday. So I want to highlight some things that we've already covered. Uh, write this down in your notes. Your testimony is the key that can unlock someone else's prison. I shared this on Facebook because this, this is vital. This is key uh, to uh, us continuing to be delivered, but also it helps other people. So in Psalms 22:22, Psalm 22:22, it says this. This is powerful. The psalmist said, I will praise you to all my brothers. I will stand up before the congregation and testify of the wonderful things you have done. So in other words, saints of God, until you can go back and praise God in front of your friends, you may not have a real testimony yet. Amen. Hello, somebody. But when you can go back in front of your friends that you used to hang out with, you know, the ones that always, you know, say certain names, they call you the Jesus freak, and, you know, you go to that church, like, what's that church, right? You know, oh, you one of them holy rollers, or, oh, you like Jesus too much, or you one of them spirit-filled people. There's all kinds of names that people like to put on Christians, and that's okay. They can call me every name, just don't call me late for supper. So here's the deal. I don't mind being called names because I'm still going to share what God has done in my life based on another name. And because of the name of Jesus Christ, God has allowed me to go through certain things, not just for me, but so that I can help other people. See, your testimony is the key. When you can relate to somebody else's issues that they're going through, not just sympathy. I'm talking about empathy. You really understand what a person is going through. When you go to a person, you say, you know what? I know how you feel because I was there too. Immediately, that person is going to say, man, really? Well, how did you get out of it? What did you do? How, what did you experience? Can you help me? See, you. it's hard to help people when you've never experienced what those people are experiencing. And I am a true believer that you can't take people where you have not been yourself. I've, I've experienced real deliverance in my life. I, I know I had a problem with alcohol, but when the power of God came into my life, he took the taste right out of my body, and I didn't desire alcohol anymore. That's for any of you. If God has delivered you from drugs or alcohol or sex or from people, then you know what that feels like. It's a testimony. Why? Because it's a painful situation, and God can take your pain and turn it into passion for a deeper relationship with Jesus. Christ, that passion turns into compassion for a deeper relationship with other people. But unless you get your relationship right with Christ, you can't get your relationship right with people. Mm. So you got to allow the Lord to work on you. You have to do a self-assessment. You have to let him dig. You have to let him probe because none of us are all that. And see, God will show you those areas of pride where you think you've arrived. Hello, somebody. And see, the Bible is not a photograph. See, in a photograph, you can see the flaws of other people. But the Bible is not a photograph. It's a mirror because it shows you your flaws. Mm -hmm. The world don't want to see their flaws. We must be willing to give public praise for our private deliverance. See, the things that God has done in our lives, he did it privately. So we should have, listen to this. This is what real deliverance is. Real deliverance is having an outward manifestation of an inward work. Let me let that sink in for a second. See, a lot of times people can't worship because they hadn't had a real inward work yet. 
See, everybody can praise. You can be drunk and praise God. You, that's why you see them on the most shows and they win that award. They just finished gyrating on stage and doing pelvic pumping, half-dressed, and then they're going to say, I want to thank the Lord. Well, they have to. Because the Bible said everything that has breath, you got to praise him. But everybody can't worship. See, you got to have an inward change that has an outward manifestation. Everybody can't worship God because everybody haven't had a deeper change on the inside yet. Everybody in the church is not going to lift their hands because they haven't really been through something tough enough yet. Because you lift your hands because now you're finally at a place of surrender. And sometimes pride and arrogance and, and a lack of knowledge will keep you broke. The Bible says the people perish for the lack of knowledge. But you know, a deeper understanding of that is the people perish for a lack of a revelation of God. Or another translation says the people cast off restraints. See, you have no restraints. It's the word in the Bible called lascivious. I never, I really didn't know what that word meant because big words used to confuse me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? See, some, some of us got that education where if it goes past the, you struggle. <laughs> so, so lascivious, lascivious means a person who cast off restraints. It means you have no self-control. You're lascivious. I, I taught a, a message called spiritual aids. Spiritual aids. Because people with AIDS, they can't cast off little uh, diseases and, and viruses that we can cast off. Why? Because their immunity system has been torn down. And so they can die of a common cold or flu or pneumonia because their immunity system has been torn down. And, and Christians that have spiritual AIDS, they catch everything that come around them. Because their immunity system hadn't been built up. In other words, you haven't tapped into the Holy Ghost deep enough so that there's a real change. And, and you are capitalizing and you are pulling on everything that the world is pulling on. The world is going this direction. So you're going because the world is. Well, the world says it's all right that we should live together first. We're just trying this thing out, right? Yeah, hello, somebody. Yeah, you in that, yeah, you're in that kind of church. Yep. Yep. I teach the Bible. And, now I'm, and since you didn't come here for some little watered-down message, you came to hear some truth, and I just happen to be the one, and I'm standing flat-footed to give you the truth. Here it is. It's in the Bible. If you have an opportunity to get things right, get them right right now. You don't know that you might go out of those doors this morning, and you may not ever arrive back in another house or back to your own house. We don't know the day or the hour, but since you are in here right now, I am going to tell you right now, there is a day of reckoning. What, what if I'm wrong, though? What a preacher we preaching, and we go in the church, and what if you're wrong? Well, if I'm wrong, when we die, we just cease to exist. I ain't lost nothing. I don't know it. But what if I'm right? What if I'm right, and there is a heaven and a hell? And in one of them, we're all going to live. Everybody in this room is going to live forever. The question is where? I would rather live right on this side so that if, if, I'm just saying if, I know it's a heaven, but I'm just saying if, when I go to the other side, that I'll be on the right side. Now, the Bible says that there was a rich man that died. <laughs> come on, come on. And a poor man that died. Uh-huh. The poor man didn't, couldn't get no help from anybody in the world. He couldn't get help from the rich man. The rich man had everything from the world's viewpoint, but he didn't have God. 
But when they died, saints, they did not go to the same place. The poor man went to the bosom of who? Abraham, which is a type of God the Father. So he went to a different place. The rich man went to another place even though he looked up and saw the poor man. So in other words, I truly believe we're going to recognize each other. Because this man looked up and he saw this man. He said, wait a minute, man, I want to come over there with you. And he said, no, you can't come over here, bro. That's my Bible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the Bible doesn't say bro. I mean, that's, 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 that's my ghetto Bible. I got a different Bible. He said, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't come over here because there's a gulf fix. So in other words, it, you, it is, you are incapable once you get there to change your location. This is what the brother said. The Bible said in torment, he cried and said, please send him back to my brothers. See, I, I truly believe there's going to be prayer in hell, but there's not going to be any answers. There's a lake in hell, but there's no water. And what in hell do we want? Remember, watch my words. I didn't say the other. <laughs> I said, what in hell do you want? There's nothing in hell that I want. But everything in heaven, oh, I want all of that. Hello, somebody. So we got to go on this side like we're going over to the right side. Amen. But listen, even when he told him to go to his brothers, they said, listen, we sent you the prophets. We sent you Moses. We, matter of fact, we, we sent you everything, and you still made a decision to come on this side. See, we preach about Jesus is coming soon. We've been preaching this for a long time, and a lot of people say, no, he ain't coming. He's coming. We just don't know when he's coming, right? So I got to preach with some urgency because you might die before he comes. So I got to talk to you now. Like I know I'm going to see you later If I don't talk to you now Like I'm going to see you later You might die and go to hell And your blood is going to be on my hands But every night I wash my hands Because I give you the real gospel That says you got to give your heart to God You got to repent of your sins And you got to live right See Everything that touches me Fall out in the spirit I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Y'all so serious. <laughs> Your scars can be somebody else's source of strength. Let me tell you something, saints. I don't like going through stuff. But the stuff I've gone through, I ask God, please use those things, Lord. So that I can help bring strength to somebody else. It is nothing like talking to somebody about some of the things I might be going through. And they look me in my eyes and say, John, I understand. I've been there myself. Man, something in me goes, whoa, whoa. really? Help me. It's a cry for help. help. I don't know what to do. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been reading the word. I, I'm at a law. Yeah, pastors are like that too. Yeah, yeah. Everybody get into that place at times. All of us dry, go into a dry season at times, right? And so what happens is you, you sometimes have to link up with somebody that's got some scars. See, 
I got some scars on my body because I used to, I used to I, you know, I used to you know, do a little something, something when I grew up, right? Y'all know, there's kids in here, so I had to <laughs> have them subliminal messages, right? Because you're not supposed to be doing that, right? All of us, you know, some of the adults in here, y'all, y'all might have been the bullet, but I don't know. But, but y'all know what I'm talking about? You may have fallen on your bike or something like that. Some of you got some scars some places, right? Or you had an operation, right? And you got some scars, right? Now, those scars, when you touch them, they should not be hurting right now, right? But you know it's a scar. See, see, real deliverance is when you got a scar, but you don't feel the pain. But the scar helps you remember the Come on, somebody. So, so that scar, other people can see, oh, man, you hurt your hand. Yeah, I remember that time I fell on my body. So you can tie that pain to a situation, but the situation don't control you. Am I, am I talking to the right people in here? And see, that's what God, he's trying to get the church to a place of deliverance so you have a scar without the pain so you can have passion to help somebody else with their. And, and we're in the right place here. Amen. So that's what a testimony is all about. And that's why we have to get separated from some things so that we can have a true testimony. Listen, when you begin to talk to people about a situation you've been in, there's a term in the Bible called the bomb of Gilead. Anybody, some people say Gilead, uh, right? And so how many of you ever heard that in the Bible, the bomb of Gilead? Well, we can find that in chapter 8 of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. So the prophet Jeremiah, he cried out, he said, is there no bomb in Gilead? So what he was speaking about, the Lord had just, well, God had just revealed to Jeremiah that the kingdom of Judah was going to be attacked by Babylon. So the man of God cried out, is there no hope? Is there no healing? Is there no bomb in Gilead? Because I truly know there is one person that is the bomb of Gilead that can deliver all of us from our spiritual wounds, and his name is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the bomb that I'm talking about today. Now listen, um. I, I grew up in a different kind of generation than, than a lot of these, these, these young people grew up in. When I grew up, there was something called a whipping. I didn't, right? But if you was from where I grew up, it's a whooping, right? Because it went beyond whipping. It just went the way. Now, listen, I'm not, listen, let me just, because this thing is streaming live on Facebook. I'm not advocating abuse. I'm just telling you a testimony. Because I got the scars to prove it. Amen. <laughs> so when we grew up back then, parents, man, they wasn't about no foolishness. Right? So you would get a whooping. Right? And so sometimes that parents would say, this is going to hurt me more. I, I haven't quite got that yet. This is going to hurt me. <laughs> More than it hurts you. I, that's, that's a lie, right, Pastor Jimmy? No, that's a lie, right? And so, so, so I'm, like, I'm like, well, mama, you need to stop hitting me as hard. <laughs> but it was necessary. The pain was necessary for growth. The reason we got a lot of young people running amok today is because they can't discern the difference between discipline and authority 
and over abuse of discipline and authority, right? So if you don't give young people boundaries, then they're going to run amok. You got to give, you got to, when a baby is born, he's a born sinner. He's a little sinner. When, when, as soon as that little rascal pops out, it's a little sinner. And let me tell you why he's a little sinner or she's a little sinner. They come out with the fist balled up. You have to teach a baby to open up their hands. They are selfish little things. Oh, this is my toy. This is my mama. This is my house. They, you don't have to teach a baby selfishness because they little sinners. But they die, they still go to heaven because they don't know yet. So you have to teach a baby to be a racist. Nobody's born a racist. You have to teach that. Amen. You have to teach a child to love. You have to teach a child to forgive. You have to teach a child boundaries. Listen, you can do this, but don't go there. You can do this, but don't do that. There are boundaries. And if when you don't give young people boundaries, they, they supersede their ability to be able to handle the situations that they're in. So they make greater mistakes because they were never taught what they needed to learn to make better mistakes. Am I talking to the right church right now? See, the reason I can't preach some watered down gospel is because God gives us boundaries. He says, you can do this, but you can't do that. You can do this, but you can't do that you can do with this but you can't so so he said you <laughs> see I had a, a couple of y'all that went back yeah you, you see that Jimmy see all them unholy folks they was like I can't believe pastor is saying that from the pulpit this place is such religious <laughs> you you were there, you I know. I know Jimmy was with me right there, boy. Amen. But that's God said you can do it with this, and you can deal with that. Listen, I don't want that. I want this, yeah. right? So God says there's no ambiguity with me. It's like this or not. You either saved or not. You either holy or you're not. It's either light or darkness. There is nothing, nothing I have ever seen in the dictionary that said you can be a little pregnant. You either got a child or you don't. You either are a Christian. Listen, saints, I, I didn't write the book. I just preached from it. Right? And I, I am willing to give you the truth and allow you to be upset with me because I'm giving you truth than to lie to you and you die and go to hell. I, I can take that on because he ordained me to be a pastor. I didn't, I, didn't go to, I didn't go to theological seminary to become a career pastor. Matter of fact, I never wanted to pastor. I was fine in my career. I love my career now. And people say, well, Pastor John, when are you going to, you know, get in full-time ministry? <laughs> Bro, I never, I never stopped being in full-time ministry. I've never been a part-time pastor. Now, listen, just because I work. Doesn't make me a part-time pastor. And I don't believe in bivocational. I got a new term now, Jimmy. It's, it's, it's called co-vocation. Because, see, I don't take off my pastor's hat when I show up at the bank. So when I walk up in meetings, I walk up in meetings as a man of God. Right? And I command respect. Amen. Hello, somebody. No, you ain't going to talk to me any kind of way. I'm not going to put up with it. No, no, no. Hello, am I talking to the right people? Hey man, you better know it. You walk with an anointing on your life. And people need to respect that. But if you don't respect you, 
And if you don't understand how powerful and how anointed you are in God, and see, a lot of times this is based on your past, saints of God. It's based on what somebody said about you. It might be based on you've been bullied. It might be based on what somebody uh, that, that should have loved you, they should have been your protector, but they became your predator. See, see, because you have gone through all of these different experiences, you might base your future on your past. And you can't grab your future when you keep looking back. So I want to help you. I want to help you today. Get delivered from your past. It's the best thing you can do. And one of the other best things you can do is get delivered from people. Now, I'm not saying be unloving. I love people. I, I, I love this church. But listen to my words. I'm not in love with this church. But I love the, I'm in love with my woman. See, he gave me my own woman to love. That's why I don't be trying to look at yours. Hello, somebody. And because he gave me my own woman to love that's, that's dynamite, that's absolutely awesome in my life, then I don't have to be looking at your wife. Or if you're single in here, you don't ever have to worry about me trying to run up on you. Listen, listen, because first of all, that person got to be on her level. <laughs> and, and you're going to have to have more than a nice shake with your little nasty self revealing everything. I couldn't even, I can't, I don't even, my wife will tell you. C-I-A-A, I don't even go into uptown to work. I work from home. I ain't never seen spandex like that. It's just, it's just, it ain't right. I'm digressing, but it ain't right. I'm telling you it ain't right. I'm a man of God, and I go, oh, my, oh, my God. And I, I don't want to, but I have to take a second look like, what, really? All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> Men of God don't walk around with a halo on, speaking in tongues all day. He shall ba ba da la la ba ha. We still we deal with the same stuff, right? And listen, we have to fight that right. Let me let me just say that one more time. We have no no. Let me make this personal. <laughs> John Lofton have to fight the act right. Amen. That's why I need you praying for me. Because sometimes I think about you. I ain't lying. I'm like, boy, if, if you, boy, what would the church think? <laughs> if, I, if I just, boy, I went back for a second and began to clock you one time. But I know people are like, oh, man, he called himself a man of God. I was temporarily. <laughs> but I got some problems, too, you know. <laughs> I was talking about scars. I don't know why y'all got me off. <laughs> and so, so listen, listen. Oh, here, here's another one. Check this one out. You cannot have a testimony without a turning point. Every testimony has a turning point, right? Because they had to take testi testimony service out of churches because people didn't know how to testify. So, yeah, I mean, they were hyping <laughs> You know, saints of God, giving honor to God and saints of friends. Y'all know that. You go through the whole spiel. And, and then, then they say, the, the devil was with me last night. And so now, now I know a little bit more about the Bible. And I'm thinking, this is a Christian saying that the devil was with them. 
So I'm wondering, because when I read Jesus, Jesus, he just stepped foot in the land of the gatherings, and the demon said, well, hold on, Jesus, what, 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 what are you doing here? <laughs> right? So as a Christian, you're not supposed to be entertaining demons. So you got to turn your light on because light repels darkness. So if a demon is comfortable in your house, saints, you got the light off. Turn the light back on. Get that joke out of your house. Now, if you're doing stuff in that, let me go ahead and voice see, I'm not going to let you go. I just had to set that up. But if you're doing demonic things in that house, i.e. things that is contrary to the word of God, so you've been a hypocrite in the house, then you open yourself up to demonic attack. So what you need to do, you need to do a checkup. <laughs> From the neck up? Yeah, you need to do that too. But you got to do a checkup and, and ask yourself, am I doing something in this house that's keeping me from turning the light on? Am I clicking on something on social media that's keeping the light off? Do I have something in my house? Am I, am I, do I have an addiction in the house that I want everybody else to see outside the house? Because just because people don't see it, God does. And the Bible is very clear. He said, be careful because your sins will find you out. Right? You can hide stuff from the church and from your pastor. Look, I, look I'm going to just tell you this right now. It's easy to hide stuff from me because I'm not even praying to look for stuff. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. I know a lot of people come around and say, Pastor, I didn't come around you because I just wasn't living right. Man, I, I ain't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, oh, you weren't living right? What's going on? Right? I mean, we don't have that kind of time. I pray over you. I pray God's blessings over you. But listen, the stuff that we deal with on a daily is stuff that we need to contend with. Let me give you the scripture. Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I, somebody say I. I. Apostle Paul said, I put away childish things. Let me tell you, it is important to know what is said, but you also need to know what wasn't. This is what it did not say. It did not say God put them away. Saints. And listen, the reason I call everybody in here a saint is because that's how I see you. Because I had somebody ask me, why do you call everybody saints? You know, before you roll up on me, let me just, let me, let me help y'all. Before you roll up on me, please have a legitimate question. Please. Man, because... You know, I want to stay loving. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. But to ask me something like that, when the Bible calls us saints, that to me, that don't, even, that don't even deserve my breath. The Bible says that God who speaks those things that be not as though they were, right? So everybody in here may not act like one, but I'm hoping that you do. So I'm speaking into your future, even if you haven't capitalized it right now. Amen. Amen. So I call you saints. So listen, saints, there are some things that we have to put away. 
We can pray and ask God, God, take this away from me. Please take this away from me. And God is looking at you like, listen, I sent my son over 2,000 years ago. I don't have any more sons. (laughs) Jesus died. He paid the price. When you get to the cross, when you get to the old rugged cross, everything you need is in this cross. But on this side of the cross are decisions that we need to make. And we need to make some real serious decisions if we claim that we're going to operate in holiness and righteousness. Amen? Amen. Now, I know, I know, saints, that there's not a whole lot of preaching on holiness and righteousness today. But the Bible is clear. Righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. I don't care how many gun laws we put in. People still going to be sinful. We can, we, can, we can have the most stringent gun laws you ever want to get, and the criminal's still going to get guns. Amen? Until we get back to the fundamentals of what the root cause is. The root cause is sin. And you can't deal with sin unless you understand righteousness. And if you don't understand this Bible, you might be going down a path that is taking you because of your personal preference rather than what's in the Bible. This is why I get back to the root cause of things. Not that I'm totally oblivious to what's going on. I know what's going on. But unless we really have the conversation of dealing with the sin, then we're wasting our times. When we continue to have sinful politicians that are making the laws, sinful politicians that are in the offices, <laughs> then you're going to get sinful laws. When you got sinful Supreme Court judges that can never lose their jobs, which is the one thing I cannot fathom in my mind. How you get a job and you can't get fired? You get your own self And then get mad when people just want to say, no, you can't do that. And they do it anyway. You don't sit up there. And like, they're the, they're the high priest. Right? But the Bible is clear. He said, there's coming a day when judges are going to make unjust laws. We are living in that day right now. They make laws that we have that hereby. We have to change policies because the Supreme Court make a judgment call on marriage, and they didn't even create marriage. And you can't change something you didn't create. See, the creator, God, he's the one that created marriage. And out of marriage to change, he has to change it. I, 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 hello? I know we don't talk about this stuff much, but I'm, I'm all right with it. Because I got to take you back to the Bible. Right? He's the only one that can change it. A law, a law still won't change it. You could change all of this. All of it. But one prick of blood exposes you for who you are because the life of the soul is in the blood. Everything is in the blood. The blood, I found out I had cancer because of the blood. You find out you have lupus because of the blood. You find out if you got a virus, it's in the blood. Everything, life is in the blood. So all of this can change. But it will never change the blood. Right. Amen? Amen? I'm in the right place? Yes. 
All right, I got a whole lot more, but I'm going to stop right there. Why? <laughs> I ain't never been in a church that people love church. <laughs> I'm going to stop right there, right? Because I think I've given you enough, but we're going we're gonna to continue on with some other stuff next week, right? Because there's the woman with an issue of blood. I got to talk about her, and I think it's just a little bit too much for me to get into, and I don't want to cut it short. Amen? So listen, listen, listen. Here's here's what I want you to see here, saints of God, is the fact that all of us have been through uh, some things in our lives, right? Um, And all of us have heard certain things that have not always been um, for our good. We have even shared some things to ourselves, that was negative. Mm-hmm. You have felt a certain way, and then you say it to yourself, right? Listen, I have too. I have said things. I felt like a failure the first few years pastoring. You know, and I'm like, God, maybe I miss you on this one. You know, um, things just, man, I mean, all hell was breaking loose. Man, I, I just never knew people can be so vengeful and so mean, nasty when we've tried to help so many people. But, but that's, the, that's some of the stuff you deal with in ministry, right? But they're just people, right? But then when I got delivered from people, then everything was okay. See, my problem was I just thought you can just help everybody and everybody's going to be happy. That was, my, that was me. It was my problem that I had to get delivered from. Moses had to get delivered from people too, right? And so the, the moment you get delivered from people, then you understand you can serve God and be happy regardless of what people do. Amen. See, the Lord told me, you think you're going to grow the church. And I did. I thought I was supposed to grow the church as a pastor. Right. It's our job. We're the ones that's supposed to come in and grow the church and da da da. No, that's not my job. I totally lost what my job was. I didn't know what my job was. So I had to find out what my job was. My job was to feed the flock. It didn't say anything about growing the church. It said feed the flock. And so once I got back to what my job really was, and that's feeding God's people, God said, I will fill the church. That's why I'm, I'm okay with the size of church. It's that, I don't care nothing about the size. I care about the size of your heart. Amen. I'm here to fill souls, not seats. Right? And so, and because we're into filling souls, the seats will be full. Right? I just got a word from the Lord just blew my mind. Now, I'm not going to share it, but I'm telling you. This right here is too small. It's too small, but it's, it's not going to have anything to do with me. I had, um, and, and this is the last thing, this is a, a, just a, something that happened to me. I had a, a bishop ask me, he saw our uh, Facebook post when we had, when you guys joined. Was, I mean, that whole altar was filled with people that joined that day, and uh, something like a 23 people or something joined in one day. And for a church this size, that's... <laughs> that's tremendous. <laughs> Amen. And so I, I kind of stepped back for a second and I kind of looked and I said, wow. And the Lord just gently spoke to me. He said, now this is my doing. And I said, yes, that means I don't have to grow the church. I just keep preaching. Yes. So I'm all right. No, it's not my job to, to placate and to capitulate to make you feel comfortable. It's not my job to make you feel comfortable, saints. Jesus didn't preach a message of comfort until somebody needed compassion. But when he dealt with religious folks, 
he was he was he was pretty rough right and so this this is why it's important to be in a place that's going to just stand flat-footed and preach the truth now listen i'm not the only one there are a lot of preachers out there telling the truth right and there are a lot of good churches there are a lot of good churches saints you just have to be willing to keep looking Right. I know this is a good church, not because I'm the preacher. It's a good church because God is the one that's doing it. Amen. 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 